0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: There's a, a new, another new controversy over who might be Batman. It's rumored that Robert Pattinson... From the Twilight movies might be the next Batman. If you think about it, it makes sense. He was a vampire and now he's a bat. And, now, of course, as soon as word got out about it, people went nuts. Comic book fans haven't been this angry since every other time they announced who's playing Batman. There are, peti- there are multiple petitions uh, to try to convince Warner Brothers to drop Robert Pattinson. They say he cannot be Batman. There's a petition on the government website Change.org about this. (laughs) Listen, this is not what change.org is for. Don't use the same platform the mother of a sick kid uses to pressure the FDA into approving experimental medication to complain about Batman being Robert Pattinson. (laughs) You know, I'll tell you something. Now this, I know there are... I know what goes on. But you know who wouldn't give a crap about who they cast as the new Batman? Batman. He would not... (laughs) On the list of important things we need to be upset about, this is not on the list of important things. You don't like him, good news, 7% of his face will be covered by a mask. So calm down.
2: You're listening to Geek Media Corps. Your weekly podcast for all things geek pop culture. What's up, geeks? I am Mike, and this is issue number 119 of the Geek Media Core podcast, where today we are talking when a vampire becomes a bat. HBO tries to do whatever they can to get you not to cancel your subscription, and Jordan Peele got everyone thinking they can go from comedy to horror now. But we begin by saying hello to the man that is lit. I tell you, lit, that we will get to see more of the best MCU villain ever on Disney Plus next year. What's up, Danny? I am inevitable. You, well, so is Zemo, apparently. We're gonna get into this, man, because this is all kinds of crazy stuff. We didn't really do a full issue last week because really it was like it and Game of Thrones was like all that happened last week. But we got some news this week. But before just we get tad. into it, yeah, before we get into it, as we usually do, um, is there anything that you watched, read, listened to, or played over the last week that you want to talk about before we get going?
3: Uh mostly watching just this is the end of the TV the fall traditional yeah, sweeps, TV. Sweeps time, huh? through time. Uh, the CW has wrapped up all of its main series. Uh, so for me, this is a big week just to see how it, they springboard into next year. And lo and behold, the focus is Crisis on Infinite Earth. This is something that CW has announced will not happen until December, but they are putting the proper spotlight on it by having the monitor pop up at key moments during all the season finales. Um, it's, it's a pretty big moment. The fact that they're doing this this early, which is – traditionally not what they do uh usually they'll announce it up front that the crossover is happening they'll announce the title at up front but they won't really do anything before that and here we have four appearances by the monitor we have the schedule laid out for us the fact that all four shows are going to be involved uh i feel excited about it of course other shows on the cw still going on i zombie and the 100 both are Perfect right now. I I love what the one hundreds doing this season. It's
2: ah, got to catch up. I gotta no catch up. show,
3: no show reinvents itself as well as the 100 does each and every season. You
2: should do like and I do. Wait until it's over and binge it because man, it's a fun ass ride when you do it though. Oh, way. it's a fun
3: binge. It's an absolutely fun binge. Highly recommended to everyone. But it, it's so amazing that the writers and this is what good writers will do. They will write themselves <laughs> the first
2: they, shot of many to come. I'm
3: sure <laughs> they write them. They write themselves into a corner. And then they say, this is where we want to go. And then they have the characters take a believable journey that makes sense and put them in tough situations, and the 100 nails of each and every year. Can't believe it. So it's off to probably the strongest start start in a few seasons, but uh, I'm excited for it.
2: I watched something interesting, and I'll start by telling you that – you know, I buy too much stuff on Amazon, and every once in a while, Amazon would be like, Hey, here's like a $5 free streaming credit or something like that if you use it in a certain amount of time. Well, I had built up a few of those, and I was like, Well, I got to use them or lose them. And I'm like, Oh, hey, the Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out. Oh, why not? <laughs> Brendan will get a kick out of that, right? Because, you know, he loves Batman, <laughs> he loves Ninja Turtles. So did I growing up. So we started watching it, and I, he's like, You're going to watch over me, dad? I'm like, oh, Okay, well, I, I guess I will now. And Holy shit, this was actually really, really good. I cannot believe how well this actually worked. And for, I guess the, the, the comparison for you would be like if the Power Rangers had teamed up with Pokemon or something like that. That's what this was like for me because I grew up with the Ninja Turtles cartoon. And right when it Same. was starting to, I was starting to get to that age where I was like, oh, I'm too cool for cartoons, stuff like that. And then Batman Animated Series came out at like right around that time and just like completely changed the game. This feels like a perfect mix of Batman Animated Series and that. that Late 80s, early 90s Ninja Turtles cartoon that I watched. And then you got to see so much stuff like they used to argue with on the bus, you know, like who would win in a fight between Shredder and Batman or something like that. That shit happens in this movie, man. And Michelangelo is like the is like the audience in this because he's just like geeking out about Batman stuff. It's so cool. I mean, you get to see Batman fight all the turtles, you get to see Leonardo fight Raj Al Ghul, you get to see the turtles fight the Batman rogues. It's unbelievable how well this works together. And I want a sequel. I want a sequel and it had not Conroy and not Hamill doing the voices of Batman and Joker, but whoever was doing them, this guy was amazing. He did both of them. He does Batman and Joker, but he's trying to sound like Conroy and Hamill. And he does, he does it. I highly recommend it. I can't believe how well this worked. This is better than any, any movie that I've seen, any Batman movie I've seen in the last 10 years, at least.
3: So that brings, that brings to mind two things. Uh, The first is that DC and, being WB owned, they put out a series of comics over the last year, two years, where they had their superheroes crossover with like uh, Warner Brothers cartoons. So you'd have like Batman and Elmer Fudd doing a crossover, and those are really, actually, really, really well done. Uh, the Batman, I call out Batman and Elmer Fudd because that, on its very nature, should not should work. Should not work, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's actually really well written, and it makes it makes so much sense where you're like, holy shit, I kind of want to see. These two characters again together. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Uh, the second thing is who's your who's your ninja turtle then?
2: Uh I was always Michelangelo growing up is because my name was Mike. Uh, that makes sense. I, yeah. I, I I guess I never really thought about it enough of a way to, to pick a different one where I would be at now. Uh Brennan likes Donatello because he likes the quarter stuff, so that he's he's always been about Donatello. He went to him for Halloween one year. one year, but uh yeah, I, that's kid. all I'll say. See Donald, Oh, you're a Donatello guy too?
3: Yeah. Oh, I've always been a Donatello guy. He's the smartest one. so like natural. And plus, I've always loved both stuff. So yeah, it just made sense.
2: Uh, if you guys, if you grew up, you're my age, and you grew up watching Batman animated series and the Ninja Turtle cartoon, you're going to be in heaven. It, some of the animation choices on the Turtles are, are questionable, and I get that, but it does not take away from how great this is. It really is a good time. And just if any age, you like the Ninja Turtles and you like Batman, it's incredible how well this works together. Uh, But sticking with Batman, man, we got Batman news. Big, (laughs) big Batman news. And, you know, we might have, like, the the highest viewer count for this episode ever. You know why? Because the Twihards are coming to a Batman near you because Robert Pattinson is your next Bruce Wayne. One, I did not expect this to be announced before Comic-Con. That makes me think it was going to get leaked. Uh, Two, I definitely didn't expect this guy to be the one that they picked. And three... I'm shockingly just fine with it and we'll get into why. So give me your immediate just guttural reaction when you first saw it, besides checking oh. to make sure that it was a verified account and it wasn't fake. You weren't, you oh, I,
1: had,
3: I had to make sure like three or four times. I'm like, this is real news, right? Like this isn't someone like pulling our chain. Uh, the initial gut reaction would be, whoa, <laughs> um, him question mark. Um, I. I learned my lesson the hard way with the Heath Ledger. Joker. Yeah. Yeah. So the Heath Ledger rule. You don't react until you see a trailer. A photo will never, like, and I remember the Black Panther photo from Civil War, and we were like, eh, he looks like this costume is like pajamas.
2: It looks like we small Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: So you don't, you don't judge off the picture. We, you don't judge off the casting because, quote unquote, you can't see that guy at in this role. There's so much scrutiny with the casting, especially in superhero movies now, that everyone needs to take a step back and remember these can these parts aren't just handed out to someone. That those people have to test for it, they have to read for it, they have to audition for it. And sometimes
2: with the other people that are gonna be in the movie too, to see if they've got yeah. chemistry. Hmm.
3: Um, so the director did not just like willy-nilly, like, I need somebody and this is my guy. Uh, I I will have faith in this because this is supposed to be Batman noir batman detective stories so. which we've
2: been calling for for three years yeah
3: everyone wants to say oh it's a sparkly vampire guy i can't i, I don't want to see it i don't he's done other stuff people like he's not just done those three
2: well let me ask you a question people. have you seen any of that other stuff because i haven't i, I haven't th- seen, him in I've seen him in harry potter oh yeah cedric diggory cedric. yeah he's, R. A. Like, R. A. He's, he's
3: such a, he's such a diggory. i I'm looking through his stuff. I I will be honest. I've never seen him. in.
2: I've had like, and that's why I was gonna say, that's what put me at ease. Two things. One, I trust Christopher Nolan and Christopher Nolan just cast him as a lead in his next big movie. That's supposed to be just like the scripts are supposed to be like amazing. And uh, Matt Reeves hasn't like disappointed me in anything yet. So uh, yeah, I'm with you. I don't feel like this is a studio pick or something. And a lot of people that I trust on this stuff, Have said how good he is in other things, not Twilight. And guys, however much you hate Twilight, from what I understand, Robert Pattinson hates it even more. Okay. So, while he was filming it, he said that the the, the writer was a loony. So,
3: (laughs) anyone who wants to make fun of the Twilight thing, I'll I'll say this. If someone offers you X million dollars to star in a movie, and you're at the time, you've had a bit part, like a bit part in Harry Potter and like a bit part here in the The scenes were... His first movie, your scenes were cut. Like that's his first movie. It literally says scenes cut, appeared in DVD extended version only. So if you have four movies to your name, one was cut, one is just a cameo. You're not going to take the job no matter what that movie is. Come on, give me a fucking break. The other thing I'll say is as I'm scrolling through his Wikipedia page, I noticed a few things. A, he's got the jaw. That's always important with Batman. Got to have that jaw. Yeah. B, he's got the brooding look going, and we know that – I mean, this is where you can lean into the Twilight thing. Like, he knows how to brood, and that's what Bruce Wayne does, like, 80% of the time. But C, like, all these photos of him in a suit on the red carpet, like, he looks like a young playboy. And if they wanted a younger Bruce Wayne, he looks the part.
2: Does he got blue eyes? Uh, no. No, I no, know even, even the Affleck nut huggers were, were mad that he didn't have blue eyes. But here's the thing. thing, guys, to all the people that are just so bent out of shape about Bruce Affleck, Ben Affleck, do you guys remember? You hated that even more than this. Yeah. The fallout from that was way worse than this one on Twitter. It was. I'm just saying,
3: he looks... Uh- just by these photos, he looks the part of a young Bruce Wayne. I would buy him as a billion a billionaire playboy.
2: Matt Reeves wanted to do like twenty eight to thirty three. He's thirty three in real life. I think he looks younger, so you know he's a vampire, right? So he doesn't age. Uh, he's gonna
3: <laughs> hit the. He's gonna hit the gym. He's
2: yes, going to be. I'm dead. never worried about that. Now they always bulk these guys out. So
3: shit, these guys get paid to work out eight hours a day and eat like eighteen meals of protein. He's gonna look lean. I don't think he's gonna be the big bulky Batman that No, no he'll was. be
2: lean like Bale. I think
3: he'll have. I think he'll be like Chris Evans in the first Avenger, where like he's cut, but he's not gonna be Chris Evans and Civil uh, in Avengers Endgame, where he's just like tank mode. Well, so, is it,
2: if this is what we're gonna see. Detective Batman. I don't even. I don't even need to see the punching. No. I've seen the punching. I've seen the punching. Batman. Give me my, my my detective. That's why this should be the Riddler, but we'll get into that in just a second. Cool.
3: I don't see I don't need the punching Batman. I need the Batman who can win the fight in one move. Yeah. Two moves. Surprise you from the corner. Like that's the Batman I want to see.
2: Yeah, and show me my all my James Bond little gadgets and gizmos and stuff. I want to see all that stuff. Yeah. So any other thoughts on on Battenson?
3: Uh, I think it's again it's the internet. People want to rush to judgment. They want to judge him based on something he did. What when was Freaking Twilight. Twilight was actually, 2008.
2: That's was like a decade ago at least.
3: 2008 to 2012. So seven years ago when he was 25, 26. Yeah. Like if you're judging me based off what I did at 25, yeah, I'm not the Batman either. So
2: like, <laughs> give me a break. Give him a chance. Are you stunned they didn't hold this until Comic-Con with it being next month?
0: No,
3: because this is actually per- – to me this is perfect because you – a guy like him is going to be a little bit divisive. It's going to get – it would not they give get over it? At, at Comic-Con. Now you've given them time to get over it. You give some fans, the diehards, time to like maybe go check out a movie that he's done that isn't Twilight. Or someone like me, like read his biography, look at the photos, accept it. Because, yeah, then you will announce it at Comic-Con officially. And Maybe, maybe, have,
2: be- a, maybe have a picture of him in the cow. Oh.
3: Yeah. It won't be a, to a chorus of boos. So I think they did it perfect by just getting it out now, getting it out before two major holidays in Comic-Con. That's fine. That's fine. By the time it comes around, people are going to be cool with it.
2: Well, apparently Nicholas Holt was like their next.
3: Make him hush. Make him hush. Make him hush.
2: Or Riddler. I think he'd be a good Riddler. I think Nicholas Holt's a great actor. I, I think he'd, I like, mean, he'd be a really good. Anyway.
3: I say hush because if you're considering for, for him for Bruce Wayne – and you think about like that relationship with Hush. I think that's that's a kind of fun way to play with the casting. Plus, who did I say I wanted as the Riddler instead? Oh, um, the guy from Sherlock.
2: Oh, yeah. 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 No, that, that'd that be terrific. But uh, <laughs> you said something about Hush and then someone like replied to me on the Twitter account. I think Idris Elba would be a great Hush. <laughs> of course <laughs> you do. Of course you do. All right. Uh, well let's get on there are rumors about this movie now nothing confirmed by the studio whatever but someone reliable sources I guess if you want to consider Collider there I I don't know but they're saying that it's going to be Penguin and Catwoman uh, in, in this and I'm like they're really going to do the exact same team up of villains from Batman Returns I have a feeling that this is going to you're going to see like four or five
3: I've seen that rumor I've seen that rumor plus up to six villains I've seen that rumor plus Riddler I would hope that it's that rumor plus six villains because eventually that opens up the door for like an Arkham City-esque
2: story. Right. If he you, if you wants to, want to do a trilogy out of this, go ahead and sign all these actors to three movies and just do a big old thing.
3: I would hope that they would look at Spider-Man and Spider-Man having gone through three reboots and everyone kind of being like, you know what? We don't need to see Uncle Ben die again. That's fine. We know who Spider-Man is. He's so ubiquitous out in the universe that everyone understands great power comes great responsibility. Got all the spider powers, blah, blah, blah. We don't need to see that again. Like with Batman, I don't need to see Crime Alley. I don't need to see Martha. Uh, you probably definitely want to stay away from Martha, actually. Don't give me the fucking League of Assassins. Like We've seen enough of the League of Assassins with all the adapt- adaptations. Just give me Batman and go from there. And we can figure everything else out. We can assume his parents are dead, blah, blah, blah. Dead parents orphans, blah, blah, blah.
2: Right. You know everyone will complain about it, about how they didn't set it up or whatever. But I feel like this is the one character you can just drop him in the middle of something, age 30, in his prime, and he's just fighting all these villains. Everyone knows who these villains are. You don't have to give them a big setup before he fights these villains. Have have a fucking fight the whole rogues, man. I'm for it. Give me all of that.
1: If
2: you're
3: above the age of seven... You probably generally know the Batman story, the Batman power set and at least half of the, his rogues.
2: I know MCU fans are like, "Oh, I got to get like a solo movie about Alfred first or something to but it's like <laughs> no, no you don't. Look at Batman the animated series. It didn't have to do all that stuff. You can do all that yeah. stuff through through, you know.
3: But here's the thing. You got you got Alfred in Gotham. You are getting a Pennyworth series for whatever godforsaken reason. I don't know who who wanted a Pennyworth series, but you're getting a Pennyworth series. You've got plenty of Alfred. Like you've got four old Batman movies, you've got the Dark Knight trilogy. Like there's plenty of Alfred story out there. You don't need more Alfred.
2: I feel like this um, is the one DC character that you could just drop into a movie with four or five of his villains and you didn't you won't need any explanation.
3: Hell, you could start the story through the eyes of a Robin and I'd fucking buy it. Well, no, I wouldn't because I still hate the idea
2: of the the whole notion
3: of Robin. But I mean, to that point, like you could start there and people don't know who Robin is. Bruce Wayne loves to employ cr- children to his fight on crime. It's stupid. It makes no sense. Never made sense.
2: All I'll say is I hope if they're letting Matt Reeves do a trilogy of this, let him do his trilogy. Don't make him tie to any previous continuity or anything in the DCEU. Just let him make his movies, man. That's all. If it's, if he's supposed to be younger, Ben Affleck, just let him do his thing.
3: Have Ben Affleck do a voiceover, or not?
2: Okay. <laughs> and then have Michael Keaton be play old Bruce Wayne for Batman Beyond, right?
3: I swear to God, they need That's to do right. that. I mean, if Michael, I mean, it's Michael Keaton. I, I got to put him in the universe somewhere.
2: That's it. Okay, so a big and opening. Here's
3: movie. the other thing. I will say. Here's the other thing. All of these characters on the table for Crisis on Infinite Earth, because it could all happen. Yes.
2: Jeez, you just can't can't stop, guys. You just can't stop that free publicity from the CW.
3: I can't stop it, but it also, it makes sense. They can literally tap into all of these old WBDC properties. And why the fuck not? It's all on the table for them. It's great. Love it. Can't wait.
2: More on that later. Uh, So a big opening weekend for John Wick 3 secures another sequel. They've already announced a sequel. And you know what? Pokemon couldn't even take down Avengers. But John Wick did it. Damn it, Thanos must have killed his puppy. Yeah, I know you've never watched any of these movies, man. But they're so good. They're so good. I think you'd have a great time with them. And I'm just, I'm just glad to see this guy having like a career revival. at Fifty something. I mean, now he's get, movie? now he gets to do Bill and Ted three. For God's sakes, this is great. Everybody loves Keanu again. It's crazy.
3: Why? Where did this come from? What is John Wick? And like, why do people love this movie? I don't understand. I'm it just, I'm, it's,
2: it has like the best choreographed gunfights I've ever seen since like the yeah. matrix, which ironically he was also in. Yeah.
3: I mean, it's nuts how people are erupting for John Wick chapter three and, and Keanu Reeves. Like, I feel like I've traveled back in time for, like 20 years.
2: I mean, honestly, a friend of mine told me, he's like, dude, you guys see John Wick it is like amazing. He's like, it's like if James Bond on steroids, it's that good. And I'm like, oh, come on, man, it's Keanu. You told me that same shit about that Ronin movie. And it was one of the worst movies I ever saw. Yeah. Someone actually told me this. <laughs> and so I waited for Blu-ray and then I watched it and we, me and my wife were both like, holy hell, that was fun. So, yeah, I went to theater and saw two. Didn't get to go see this one yet, but uh, I definitely want to. But uh they're pretty happy with it. And, and he wants to keep doing them. He's having a good time with it. So I say, hey, man, go for it. I it think it's like 90 something million it's opening weekend. That's that's awesome for a Keanu flick, man. A non superhero flick made 90 million dollar opening weekend. I think that's worldwide, but still.
3: I mean, it, it's great for again the health of the box office that it took over a hundred million or w- whatever it was to knock off the Avengers. Uh, in like it's week great four. That, <laughs> yeah, in week four, <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's also great that the studio is so encouraged that they immediately greenlit Chapter Four, or whatever for the story. So I mean, it's again, there's the problem of it's another sequel, but at the same time, it's not a superhero movie. So like, pick your poison there. Movie lovers, but speaking of our Avengers, the box office up to two point six two billion dollars.
2: Yeah, it's caught Avatar domestically, but not but not all time yet.
3: A hundred and fifty million dollars away from surpassing Avatar. Go see Avengers again.
2: See, so guys, I'm not. A, I'm not a. i am not i am not I could care less about this kind of stuff. Uh, if if oh. you guys if. If you guys care that much that Disney gets another $150 million, hey, man, it's your money. Go do what you ever want to do with it. To me, I don't really care about stuff like this.
1: It's we tongue all, know, in we cheek. all know
2: that with the Win is the biggest movie ever if you go by ticket sales. So, yeah, boom.
3: It's tongue-in-cheek. I mean, it got to $2.5 52 days before Avatar got there. 52 days. That's 50, 20 days to get $2.5 billion. Dollars. It's going to break the record. It's just a matter of when.
2: And then those clowns will get on here and tell me that cinema's dying. Okay. okay. <laughs> 50,
3: 52 days. De- that's it's staggering. 20 days to get two and a half billion dollars. I can't believe it. That's that's
2: so when no Keanu, saw this. so when does Keanu get in on the MCU? Keanu the, the Conqueror right there. Keanu the Conqueror.
3: I think you gotta make him a cosmic villain. Whoa. Uh, I think, yeah, I think that'd be, I think that's the most
2: fun. Well, speaking of Keanu, you know, he already played a comic book character once. He played John Constantine in a movie that was not very, it was, it had some elements of John Constantine I like. Like, for one, he was smoking the whole time. You know, that was, that was, that was really nice. But um, that movie's not as bad as you think it is, really. Me being a big Hellblazer fan, a movie really isn't as bad as you think it is. But uh, someone asked him about it and he said he would love to play the character again. So, I doubt it happens because you know, they're, if they're worried that people are going to get too confused about people on the CW TV shows and then and, and the characters can't be on both the TV shows and the movies because people are just going to get too confused because we aren't smart enough to, to, to understand this stuff. I, I doubt that they would want to bring him back to play that character when, you know, people might be confused and might think it's a sequel. I don't think they'll ever make a John Constantine movie there. I said it.
3: I mean, you have John Constantine currently on legends of tomorrow you have the CW seed stuff with John Constantine. And he's great. You have, he's great. Uh, you have the what is it? DC Plus, DC Universe. DC Universe, where you could take a John Constantine, spin him off from Legends to his own series, or put him with Swamp Thing. Yes, because Matt Ryan is fantastic and clearly loves playing the role. He could not be. He could not rush back enough to get to the to the Arrowverse, and he's been fantastic on uh, Legends Tomorrow and. They say that they're doing away with magic. So he is freed up next season to go. Put him on Swamp
2: Thing and put a cigarette in his hand. Yes.
3: It is funny. Uh, I will say that the nice running gag with uh, Legends is that anytime he goes for, to smoke, someone always knocks it out of his hands like, John, we got to go. And it, make, like, it never fails to make me laugh because I'm like, at least you're trying and you're getting as close as you'll ever get on broadcast TV uh, because of all the rules. It's just the weirdest
2: thing to me that they can't show that. That's just so weird. Uh,
3: mm. But, I mean, Matt Ryan is John Constantine, and he loves playing the role. So Keanu, go make John Wick Chapter 4, 5, and 6 and let Matt Ryan embellish his accent and have some fun with it. I'm okay with that. Slash, Keanu, if you really do want to play Constantine again, you can come on Crisis on Infinite Earth because that's on the table as well.
2: Okay. <laughs> Jeez, I hope this is good for your sake. You might, you might end up losing it like our buddy Kyle has about Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh. mm-hmm. I, I assume but I
3: can't help that you're setting me up for all of this. Like it's just oh, it's there hey, on the table.
2: It's just a show to let your freak flag fly. Just do it, man. Yeah. I bring up of Time every time I get a chance now. Um, I assume, since you did you some film school, that uh, you are a fan of Quentin Tarantino's Quentin Tarantino's films, correct?
3: He is a fantastic film director. Loves film. Probably, from what I've heard on interviews, probably the smartest film lover out there because he just loves every little thing about the history of cinema, from the beginnings to now and like where he thinks it's going. So yeah, no, he's he's a he's he'd be on a Mount Rushmore of my cinema. Influencers, I would say.
2: Sure. He's on my, he's still on my A list of Take My Money. He's got a movie coming out. I don't even need, I don't even see a preview for it, but we did get a preview for it. We did get a preview for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, I love anything that's set in the swinging 60s, although it's right there at the edge uh, to show what the kind of the peak behind the curtain uh, of what Hollywood was like during the time. But as with any Tarantino movie, the cast for this is just otherworldly. You got my dude that can do no wrong and Kurt Russell. So I'm already there. But now you got Leo. You got Brad Pitt. You got Al Pacino. uh, You got Margot Robbie. Uh, To me, I was like, this trailer kind of looks to me more of like a Jackie Brown than a usual Tarantino kind of movie, which I'm fine with. I, I think Jackie Brown is criminally underrated. But uh, for people who want like another Inglorious Bastards or something like that, no, nah, not what's going to happen here. But uh, it's just a nothing, a nothing special trailer. But I don't need an anything special trailer from Tarantino. Just show me the movie. I loved Hateful Eight, and I know that that one was kind of like lower on a lot of people's uh, uh, Tarantino rankings. But um, we, could, I can do a whole episode about my ranking my Tarantino films. Me, and my wife like went through every movie that he directed, wrote, or even produced like a couple years ago, and we loved you know ninety nine percent of it. So. Uh, Yeah, big fan. I will definitely be there.
3: I will be there um, just because it's a Tarantino movie. It's only the ninth movie he's ever done. He's very selective with what he does. I think he – I remember the rumor once upon a time was like he wants to do like 10 and that's it. And there's only 10. (laughs) This is the next to last one. Uh, I don't think – I think he'll go beyond 10 for sure. It's a – the cast is – phenomenal. I mean you laid it out. I mean it's gonna have, you know, everyone from Leo to to Luke Perry. This might be I think this is Luke Perry's last.
2: Oh wow. Role. I didn't know he was okay yeah. Um
3: Al Pacino's in it. Yeah, I think it is Luke Perry's last role. I mean his filmography, he was on um Riverdale and yeah, no this is his last one. Uh this is the last one he filmed. So uh it'll be interesting to see him just pop up for a little bit. I'm sure it's a smaller role but I imagine it will be good. The cast is legacy cast, dripping with Academy Awards. Tarantino himself has won Academies. Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood, so it'll it would not, surprise, would not surprise me to see this thing walk out with a, a few nominations under its belt as well because uh, everything is there. You've got the director, you've got the screenwriter, you've got the cast. It's going to make a good movie, and uh, you know it's, it'll be Ju- July 26th before you know it.
2: And he he shoot this one like the whatever film again, because I know like he put out the Hateful Eight. It went head to head with uh, with Force Awakens and it got buried. And he had like that big thing because Disney had made that deal with all the cinemas about having Force Awakens on a certain number of screens. So he shot it like the special film and it wouldn't it was not even getting shown in some theaters. So uh, if he did that again, I can see why this is having like a midsummer release, mid to late summer release.
3: I don't know if he did it again, Um, but I think it'll because of the cast. I think that we will do fine.
2: And Margot Robbie still needs to call me. Um, Hey, man!
3: I uh, I will say for distributing distribution, he has it's with Sony, so I I think he'll find some theater space for sure.
2: Right. Um, Early reactions to Aladdin—they are surprisingly positive. Now I got two suggestions here. One, these people are just indoctrinated by Disney at this point, and it's just like Stockholm Syndrome, and they'll like anything that Disney tells them <laughs> to like.
3: Or twice if you don't like it.
2: <laughs> Or two, every TV spot and every trailer they've shown us have just been the worst of the worst of the worst because I haven't seen anyone say that everyone wants to go see Lion King. I haven't seen hardly anyone say they want to go see Aladdin. And so the fact that the it's... Like I said, either they've really hidden the good stuff or, like I said, these people are just indoctrinated. I don't know.
3: Tonight's the world premiere. Uh, They're having their magic carpet uh, release. Uh, It is actually the magic carpet. It's kind of weird. By weird, I mean cool. (laughs) I'll be interested to see the reaction after this. I'll be interested to read the reviews. My gut tells me if it is good. It's because, A, it hits the nostalgia strings just right. B they don't butcher the songs and C Will Smith as uh Genie is incredibly charming despite the hor- horrific CGI. I read something that says he the Genie has a human love interest which I'm like that's oh weird. I don't know. I don't I hope that's wrong. I don't need to see I don't want that like it's
2: Genie. I don't need to hear him rapping never had a friend like me. No, don't change the music, guys. Sorry. That's that's where you get your nostalgia from. Is that music? Yeah.
3: No. Uh I, I fully agree with you. So if people are liking it, it doesn't slander the, the memory of the original. And it probably leans into it a bit. I don't know. I mean, I'm not excited to see it. Reviews will heat me up a little bit, but I don't, I mean, reviews are going to have to be really good to make me go see this in theaters. I'll, I'll put it that no, way.
2: This is a, this is a wait for download for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I've said before, I think that that it always seems like, of my generation... I want it to be good. I want it. I I would say
3: that right
2: now. I I don't want any any of these classics to to go bad. It's just, my wife's favorite was uh, always Aladdin, and mine was always Lion King. And it's funny, they're coming out like back-to-back. We both love Jungle Book, and we both were very disappointed in in Beauty and the Beast. So, it looks like, okay, they're going to release two back-to-back like this? It looks like we might get that again. One's pretty good and one's not, but I don't know. But hey, remember that the, the social media reactions for Aquaman were out, off the charts, and I think it ended up with like a 60 on Rotten Tomatoes. So Twitter reactions aren't the end all be all for sure. It'll be
3: interesting to see how the reactions go from the from the premiere. I this movie's either this movie's either bad or good. It, I don't think this is a movie that's gonna be mad or average. It's going to elicit some response from it. Um but I am, I mean, now that you mention it, I am much more excited to see Lion King than I am to see Aladdin.
2: Check like this out. My editor at Geek Vibes Nation right now. Okay, the trailers and TV spots did Aladdin no justice because I went into this very meh, and Aladdin is actually really good. Will Smith, a sound, I guess that's Jasmine, and Naomi Scott hold this movie together. The CGI is a mess, but it's overall, it's a very solid flick.
3: Will Smith, Millennium, the summer of Will Smith, it's back.
2: <clears throat> All right. Uh, that's, that's <laughs>
1: good
2: um, hey, I guess Chris Rock saw all this love that Jordan Peele got, and he said, "You know what? I'm going to go make some horror movies too." And so, for some reason, he picked the Saw franchise, which hasn't been good since like 1999 or something. So, have you ever watched a Saw movie?
3: Uh, no, I mean, I, I know enough to know that that doll or whatever it is is
2: the oh Saw. <laughs> yeah, Jigsaw.
3: Jigsaw, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, I've never seen a movie. I find it interesting that Jordan Peele has like busted down the door for comedians to go to their dark side. I've said it time and time again, you have to be really smart to be a comedian. You have to know and anticipate your audience and know how they're going to react to get what you want from them. Chris is a smart dude. He's been in the business probably longer than I've been alive. I, I'm curious. I'm really, really curious to see what he could cook up because he, and I mean this in the most respectful way, he seems like a dude who has some fucked up dark places. And I kind of want to see where this goes.
2: I do. You know, I have this, this thing that I don't like about new horror is that every time I start to get dark, they feel like they got to put a joke in. And I don't know if that's like the, the MCU effect. It's like, guys, I'm here to get messed up. I'm not here to, hey, it's going to be okay. It's just a movie, guys. So, uh, yeah, make sure that you don't put in those comedic relief parts just because you can. And I'm sure Chris Rock can do stuff besides stuff that's funny. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen any. I just think this is a weird franchise to pick. I thought he would either do something original or I don't know. I think that uh, an iconic and even if people think that these movies are trash, the Saul movies are somewhat iconic at this point for the fact that everyone knows who Jigsaw is. You know, that's that that's where you make your money if you are a horror franchise is if you've got a villain that is easily identifiable with that franchise. And I just can't see them having anybody besides the actor who played Jigsaw in these movies. I just can't hear a different voice. Uh, for for Jigsaw, and it just I don't I don't know. This is how I kind of feel about that Chucky movie. I love Mark Hamill, but it's like this just seems weird. <laughs> hey, maybe they have Mark Hamill voice Jigsaw too? Why not? Uh, not, uh, not doing uh, anything. He's not doing Star Wars or anything anymore. So yeah.
3: I'll say this about the the comedy and horror. To me, I don't mind it because when you put when you think about people's reactions to being scared or being in like tense situations, you have some people that are going to panic. You have some people who are going to get all steely cold and like try to fight their way back. And you will have some people, and my brother is notorious in our family for this. He will always be cracking jokes and he has a super dark sense of humor. But if you put stress on him, the jokes are going to come flying and you're like, is this the time or the place? But like to him, that's how he copes with it. And that, that makes sense. And I think if you are making a horror movie, when you're trying to get into people's heads and you're trying to get them to latch into it a little bit more, Giving them something that resembles how they would react, I think, is a is a effective way of doing that. And I don't mind if there's a care. And if you limit it to a character or two, of like, oh yeah, I'm gonna throw out all these bad jokes and try to be funny because this is how I cope. But don't give me a whole movie of funny jokes. I don't need that. No. Pass. Okay. Um... Give me a little. Give me a little. You gotta have a little dark humor. You gotta have a little fun with it.
2: You know what's never going to happen besides the Game of Thrones books coming out? What's never going to happen is our James Bond retrospective episode because (laughs) Bond 25 got pushed back again. Because you guys, as you all know, Danny goes on all the time about how he likes to damage James Bond. Well, you got one, in Daniel Craig, because he got hurt. So here, he's really damaged, and they had to close production. (laughs) I'm telling you, Bond 25 is cursed, man. It's just been production problem after production problem. I'm at the point now where I'm like, Dude, I'm, I, one day I am expecting to go on Twitter and see Daniel Craig walks off set. He's done with James Bond. That's why I feel like this is headed.
3: <laughs> I mean, I would imagine, you know, as you get older, things break a little bit easier. Daniel Craig is 51. He's still doing a lot of the stunts. This happens. I mean, I mean, this happens. This This is – I don't want to say cursed. It's going to happen. It's going to be great. The movie probably is better. The movie actually could be better for it if they work in the injury. Like again, the hallmark of Daniel Craig's Bond has been he is vulnerable. Unlike any other Bond, he is vulnerable and a physically wounded Bond. I mean, look at Skyfall. That's part of why Skyfall works. It's because Bond isn't invincible. So I'm, I'm here for it. Like, just give me my movie. I want Bond Twenty Five. Give me my movie.
2: Bond with a cane. This is gonna be great, guys. <laughs> whatever gets us quicker to james mcavoy hey today? hey
3: you 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 knock the cane but i mean q can turn that cane into a gun and i'm i'm here for cane gun
2: so you got me all selling james mcavoy as bond now so if we can get to get to that sooner cool let's get it over with and let's let's get onto the new era the new blood the new blood it's
3: gonna be, it's gonna be great it's gonna be a great movie i mean you got Randy malik as the bad guy what more do you want
2: uh, guys, if you're listening, if you're listening for our Game of Thrones thoughts, we hit a whole episode that we do on that Thrones Zone. It's our last one, so look for that separately. But this will come up briefly here because I feel like it's something different. Uh, as we all know at this point, Dan and Dave uh, pretty much ended Game of Thrones earlier than probably debatably it should have because they're going to be working on the next Star Wars movie after Episode Nine. It was announced that their trilogy—I don't know if they're the little trilogy. I didn't really hear that word—but their Star Wars movie is going to be next. After episode nine. And the best news for that out of me is it did not say Ryan Johnson's Star Wars movie is going to be next because I'm hoping that this just means Ryan Johnson can get his name slapped on this as an executive producer and we never have to hear from him in the Star Wars universe again. With Dan and Dave, I think they got exposed that they don't know how to write. I think hope that there's enough people on staff that are like "Mm, that's not how star wars works buddy but disney hasn't given me very much confidence in that to this point so i hey no ryan johnson awesome news dan and dave we'll see we'll see
3: did you know that at star wars star wars galaxy's edge you can build a lightsaber and it's a high quality lightsaber did you also know that today they announced that you can build your own
2: droid Oh, it's Star Wars at Disneyland? Yeah,
3: the Star Wars at Galaxy's Edge. Did you know that you can build your own lightsaber and your own droid? That's awesome. I can't wait to go out to Galaxy's Edge and build my own Star Wars lightsaber and my own Star Wars droid. Because that's pretty fucking cool.
2: Guys, what he's trying to do right now is avoid talking about Ryan Johnson. But here, here's what I'll say about this. No, I'm
3: not trying to avoid Ryan Johnson. I'm trying to avoid Dan and Dave because I have zero fucking faith in those people to write any good episode of TV or any good movie. I'd rather talk about something positive like building my own lightsaber.
2: Here's here's constructive criticism. Here is how I think they should go about it. The biggest problem with the Disney Star Wars is they did not do what Marvel did. Marvel said, we've got All this lore, all this history to pick through and go through and take all the stuff you want to do. The Star Wars extended universe, I understand if they wanted to decanonize it so they weren't tied to it, but they should have still used it for reference sake. They have tons of great characters that they could have used. You didn't see Marvel being like, yeah, well, we're going to decanonize everything and then we're just going to make all these new characters that no one cares about and kill off the ones that people care about. I feel like they need to go back to that stuff and realize how much gold was really in that and use those characters, use some of the storylines. You don't have to do a complete adaptations from those books, but use the material, use the source material. Marvel has done it to great success. You see, it's kind of debatable, you know, but I'm saying you've got the, you've got all that stuff there. You've got, you tell me we're making a trilogy and we're going to use this, this, and this, and this and people will be there, man. People will be there. So I just don't want, I want them to stop shying away from the extended universe stuff that they that they established for the last 30 freaking years.
3: I'll stop tweak on. it a little bit because Marvel has not faithfully stuck to the comic, but the source material. They have honored the spirit of it in a lot of ways. They've changed some things along the ways, but the changes make sense for the modern day. I mean, the, the biggest one is no secret identities, which makes the most sense like today like it'd be so hard to keep a secret identity if you were a superhero like genius move on their part the biggest thing that marvel has and we'll go back to it until the end of time is kevin feige everything goes through, Damn it. he's in house get him on stuff <laughs> <laughs> everything goes through the lens of kevin feige and he he doesn't do many interviews but he did one before end game where they follow kevin feige throughout his day and his day is nonstop bouncing between project to project and giving his opinion on costumes, giving his opinion on screen drafts, giving his opinion on like rough cuts of movies. Like no matter where any of the Marvel movies are in the process, everything is run by Kevin Feige and Kevin Feige makes sure that there's some coherency, some consistency to it. He does not. And granted, yes, the Avengers are the biggest thing in the world right now. He still does not get enough credit for making this work because without Kevin Feige this this falls apart like a house of cards and so star wars needs a kevin feige dc needs a kevin feige everyone needs to find their kevin feige
2: oh, i need a say, kevin here feige in my life honestly yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> give me a if star wars had this and had someone that's like cool like let's what you what you say let's look at all this material we don't have to use it verbatim we could be inspired by it but Here's the story we're trying to tell. That's the problem is that they're giving trilogies here and trilogies there and a solo movie here and a solo movie there. But there is no overarching point to Star Wars movies other than we're in the stars and we got blasters and lightsabers. And someone, Kathleen Kennedy, needs to hit pause, pull it over to the side and literally sit down and be like, what is the point of Star Wars moving forward beyond episode nine? what are we trying to do with this universe are we trying to go somewhere or are we just trying to throw out little films that make a couple hundred million dollars and like call it a day
2: being honest this can be the soft reboot that they need after nine it really can you're going to take this to a different time to a different part of the different galaxy this can be the soft reboot that it dearly dearly needs so it's the one
3: question no it's the one question that they need to answer though not only for fans but for themselves what is Star Wars? what What is the point? Of, what is the point of these movies of this universe? Because if they don't have the answer to that, they're just going to spin their wheels and. Toys. Oh, <laughs> In part, yes, but I mean, the other part is if you don't have a purpose and a point, you're just going to spin itself into irrelevance, and that that would be the saddest day, uh, surely for you and for me, it'd be horrible to lose what should be a rich fertile franchise that should be able to produce dozens and dozens of projects a year and never feel tired or old
2: i just i just hope they're going to use real planning this time you're going to make a trilogy plan the whole trilogy don't do this oh we're going to get a different director for each movie and let them do their own that was, a,
3: that was a bad move
2: horrible idea all right let's move the tv since uh since uh Danny's just itching to talk about infinite crisis, I think, or crisis on Infinite earth here. So, but uh, let's start with uh, okay. We talked about Game of Thrones went off, and uh, Westworld season three teaser came on immediately after that last episode of Game of Thrones. Um, Danny was—we're just talking about Westworld here, not HBO. Did this teaser do enough to win you back? Because I checked out in season two, and I think you struggled through it. But I think you said you were probably done, even with Jeffrey Wright. Maybe, bitch. maybe bitch maybe bitch oh because of jesse pinkman okay
3: (laughs) i didn't expect a season three trailer i thought season three would probably come like four years down the road (laughs) given their production i was stunned when people were talking about it the next morning i'm like did i miss something because i shut off the tv or the computer in frustration probably um i saw the trailer it's it's a soft reboot. This again gives me True Detective vibes. That like, oh yeah, we're gonna distance ourselves from the horrendous season two. Uh, Aaron Paul is a very good actor. Uh, he has not been selective in his roles since Breaking Bad, but he is still a quality actor. And I guess we're getting outside the West World, and we're starting to see the the effects of technology on human life, blah, blah, blah. We get Evan Rachel Woods character at the end to kind of give it a tie. From what I hear, most of those characters from season one and two gone, there's a few exceptions to the rule. I think Tessa Thompson is coming back. Um, It's still early in the process, but I want to see another trailer. It's not an automatic thing for me. Season two, Again, HBO has a creator's problem because season two, the creators got so cute with themselves and they tried to get ahead of the, stay ahead of the audience and they lost track of telling a good story. I don't like stories. And I said this countless times on this podcast, stories are predictable. There is a rule in English literature that there are really only seven kinds of stories and everything is a variant of one of those seven kinds we know how things end. Like, unless you really are going to have the bad guys win and like everyone die, like, and be miserable, we know how stories go. We know the arcs and falls of our heroes and villains. Just tell a damn good story, like you did with season one. Cause season one is fantastic television. Everyone loved it, even if it was predictable. And even if people pieced together, because everyone studies frame by frame by frame now. And I'll be there because I like Aaron Paul and I like Evan Rachel Wood. And I like the idea of this world of robots and humans because it's a little Mass Effect-y and I'm never going to get my Mass Effect film, I'm going to, I assume. Just tell the story. Don't get cute. Give me a good second trailer that gives me a little bit more of the cast and I'll probably be there.
2: I, If I hear it's amazing and like actually amazing and not just because everybody throws the word amazing around really, really easily now, uh, I'll – be convinced to go back and struggle through season two and catch up. But I won't watch season two. Well, when me and my wife fell asleep four consecutive weeks during the episode, I said, okay, it's, it's just, the thrill is gone and the thrill is gone. You know, there's too much good stuff to watch to watch stuff. You don't want to watch anymore. So
3: I, I just, I won't go back and watch season two. Cause if this is a soft reboot, there's zero reason for me to, to really watch season two.
2: Uh, well, HBO, you know that they're going to be very, very concerned about this bleeding subscribers after uh, after how the reception to the, the, the last season of Game of Thrones, you know, they've tried to throw that. They threw uh, Chernobyl out at the same time, which is really good, actually. I've watched two episodes now. It's really, really good. Uh, but they also had the teaser for His Dark Materials, which is a very, very popular series by Philip Pullman that I actually haven't read. Um there, there, there's reasons here and, and I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you what they are. I'm not scared. I'm not scared to talk about, it. I know we usually don't kind of dip our toe into this kind of stuff. Uh, I grew up with a Christian upbringing and I love CS Lewis Chronicles of Narnia, which if we're being honest was his fancy retelling of the Bible. And so when his dark materials came out and the author was just being a shit and saying it was basically like his fuck his exact words. I believe were, this is my fuck you to CS Lewis. I was like, well, fuck you too, man. I love those books. Apparently, they're very anti-Christian and stuff like that. But you know what? So is Preacher. And Preacher is my favorite comic book of all time. So I, it's not like I'm like that. I'm just saying I heard that when I was younger, and so I never read it. I had planned on reading it and they're they're like 2007. I bought the box set, and I was going to read it. Me and my wife were dating at the time, and she's like, hey, cool. I'll check this out. She reads the first book. She loves it. She reads the second book. She's still having a good time. She gets 30 pages from the end, shelves it. Says it's ridiculous, it's stupid, and she doesn't even care to finish it. So that kind of pushed me away from ever watching it. However, this has James McAvoy in it, so I'm seeing it. Uh, (laughs) I'm always going to support the genre, obviously, but James McAvoy is like my favorite actor working right now. But this also has X-23, Daphne Keene, and it has your boy Lemuel Miranda in it. So I know that's like, dude, they are trying to get Danny here. They're trying to get Danny. They're trying. Are they going to get you? Are you going to at least give it a try?
3: I will give it a try because of those three in the cast. And as long when as you me- his
2: HBO account? What? <laughs> as long as Kyle keeps his HBO account?
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the big reason, when you sent over the trailer, you were excited about McAvoy, and then when I noticed X-23 is in there, I got super excited because, again, hate kid actors. Think they're the worst thing out there. She is fantastic, though. She makes Logan. She's a big reason why Logan is, was as good as it was. And She didn't even really talk in the movie, so yeah. No, I, I, I'm i excited for it. I'll be there. Uh, you got three great actors and the whole cast that's solid to good. she sure,
2: why not? The, the old bear more. Uh, if, if I've learned
3: anything, if I've learned anything, HBO season one's gonna be great, and then I'm not gonna watch season two if it gets picked.
2: <laughs> Regina Campbell, yes, Cass is.
3: I'll come back for season three when they reboot it. <laughs> and then when they announce the final season, I just don't watch that crap.
2: <laughs> I like that what I talked about in our last Thrones zones episode was that I feel like in a post game of Thrones world, you can get people to give something like this a try that usually wouldn't have. Cause I mean, yes, there are talking polar bears in it. So uh, I can see why people be like, that shit ain't for me. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely looks cool. Uh, Again, it makes me tempted to read the books, but I'm probably not going to just because of my wife's negative reaction to them. Unless like I start watching this, and I just like fall in love with it. I told her I was going to read it after I saw the golden compass movie that they made in 2006. And that movie was indecipherable. And she's like, I read the book and that movie made no sense. So uh, I'm glad they're giving it another try. Cause like I said, I want to see all the, all this, all this stuff do well. And Hey, I'm always down for picking up a new series. As you can see, what we got next? Uh, oh, now we'll get into Danny's wheelhouse here. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier series on Disney. Plus. They are bringing back Zemo from Civil War and Agent 13, our girl Emily Thorne from Revenge. Um, oh, revenge, that's a series that needs to be rebooted. Uh, I had no interest in seeing this Zemo ever again. But honestly, you know what this sounds like to me, dude? This sounds like great value Captain America. And I just don't care. <laughs> don't care. I don't care to see Falcon America. I don't care that much about Winter Soldier if he isn't with Rocket Raccoon. And I definitely don't care about Zemo. The only thing I'm interested in is Emily Vandekamp. I, mean, I, I love her. Or Emily Vandekamp. Vandekamp fan. Vandekamp. Van Camp's beans. What am I thinking of?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think the great thing is they, they announced beyond bringing back Zemo on Agent 13, uh, which is great because Agent 13 has been criminally underused. Emily Van Camp is a fantastic actress. She, If you've ever watched Revenge, and if you haven't watched Revenge, you should go watch Revenge because it's a great show and she's fantastic in it.
2: It she is does, like, it's awesome. I love it.
3: Uh, there's a lot of great action that she does in the show. So there's more that she's capable of that she hasn't really gotten a chance to see. Um, Zemo, I have watched Civil War many more times since our original review of it. I like it more. I especially like it more now in the grand scheme of things, when you can look at Captain America and Tony Stark and their arc throughout the universe. It makes more sense. Uh, of course, Zemo not as colorful as his comic counterpart. Maybe this redeems that. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe he puts together his Masters of Evil. Um, I still think Daniel Bruhl is a fantastic actor, and like he's he has a screen presence to him that I buy him as a villain, as opposed to some of the other Marvel Cinematic Universe villains, which are still problematic. But for me, the fact that they announced that these are six one-hour episodes. So essentially, you're getting two to three movies worth of content here, of, of MCU-level content, because this is still... We'll see. The House of, it's the House of Mouse. It's Falcon, it's Winter Soldier, Zemo, Agent 13, blah, blah, blah. They're not going to put out crap because they want people to buy this $6 a month uh, platform. It's interesting. I, I think it's interesting as a low case test because this is what you're going to see from from these kinds of movies: is, hey, the Falcon, interesting character, interesting potential with the, the arc. Are people going to gravitate towards him? Are they going to like him? Should we do a Captain America four movie? This is the, this is a nice little case study. And this is what you'll start to see from, I think, from the MCU movies. Is you're going to see a lot of these characters get their little standalone miniseries a lot of series that will bridge the gaps between movies. And if they're successful, sure. Like maybe we'll see a movie get made out of it. If it's not successful, Hey, why complain? You've got six hours worth of content here, which equates to two or three movies. Um, it's a nice little sandbox for Marvel to play in and to see what sticks and what doesn't.
2: I'm looking at all the Disney plus streaming series. MCU series is house money. If I'm not expecting much, but if they're really great, awesome. That's okay. awesome. It's just more, more MCU goodies to chew on. I just, I have a hard time getting excited about it because I think Zemo is one of the most forgettable characters that they've had in the MCU. And I thought that he could use them completely wrong.
3: He destroyed the Avengers, Mike. What more do you want?
2: Falcon and Winter Soldier are just two characters that are like lower third tier characters for me that I just, whatever. Have, wrong. You,
3: have you ever seen those two do interview circuits together? Anthony Mackey and uh, Sebastian Stan? As much as I, I, I'm excited for like the action, because I think the Captain America franchise has the best action of any MCU series, those two have such good chemistry together that just the banter between the two, and we've seen a little bit of it in the movies, Civil War, uh, the fight with Spider-Man is where you kind of see it bleed over. I'm excited just to watch those two kind of have fun just bouncing off of each other without serious Steve in the middle of it all.
2: You know what time it is? Time for hail to the king. That's what I call this new segment. where I talk about <laughs> Stephen King news every week because it's everywhere, man. There's Stephen King news everywhere, and I love it. Man is 71 years old, and he has a new book coming out this year. And next, he's already a recent, he's already announced one for next year. Are you listening, to George R. R. Martin? He's got a novel coming out this next year. Or I'm sorry, this year and another one he's already announced for next year. Sorry. Um, <laughs> there are two bits of news. We actually had something that broke right before the thing. I just wanted to put it together here. Uh, it's not TV news, but The Long Walk was actually the first thing that he wrote. It was when he was a teenager, and it didn't get released until uh, you know after he was a more established. He released it under his pseudonym uh, Richard Bachman, and it. I just read it for the first time earlier this year, and it completely just blew me away. Like I think it's a top ten book of his, and that's behind me here. That's 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 saying a lot because I've read a lot of this man's books, and for that to crack the top ten, he basically did. Y a utopian or dystopian future before everyone else did it. And it's so, so good that I think that that and the running man, I feel like uh, that chick totally made uh, the hunger games off of, but it, it, it's a book about people walking and it's amazing. And I think it's prime to make a movie out of, it. and they are making a movie out of it. Now they've got the director who's doing the upcoming uh, scary story to tell in the dark. So apparently the screenwriter, I forget his name. Said it is like a dream project for him. I guess he loves this book so much. So I'm excited. That's really cool. On the other side of it, there's news. I'm kind of like whatever on uh, his uh, Eyes of the Dragon book is. They're they're adapting it into a series for Hulu. And I've never read it. And I told you why before. I think is I got so bummed out with the ending of the Dark Tower that I'm like I'm not reading any more of his fantasy works because I don't trust them. So I, I never read this or the Talisman or Black House. So, yeah, that's just whatever. However, I have I have really liked uh oh, geez, we call it, Castle Rock, and I did like eleven twenty two sixty three. I had problems with it, but I liked it. So I like the stuff that Hulu has done of Kings. So I'll definitely give it a try. But this is again what we talked about on Thrones Zone that there's, there's all all these guys are trying to buy up all the not just the Sea of King properties, but they're trying to buy up all of the fantasy stuff because everyone wants that next big fantasy series. So it's like it's starting to remind me of when uh, after the first X-Men movie came out and everybody started snatching up the rice at every comic book movie, even knowing that two thirds of them weren't going to get made. So, hey, I'm here for it. Stephen King and Danny's like, hey, Hulu Hulu's owned by Disney now. So you might check it out. I
3: I mean, I'm sure. I mean, if it comes out in the next six months, I will, because that's how long I have Hulu. So.
2: but long walk is the real story here, man. It's just, this a book where it's dystopian future. And they have this contest every year where you take these, these kids, there's a hundred kids and they have to maintain a a walking, a pace of like four miles per hour until, and if you go drop below uh, four miles per hour, you get a warning. And after your warning, you get shot and it goes until there's one person left. It is just, you think there's no way that you can make a 600 page book out of that. And it is freaking riveting. I could not believe it, and the ending literally made me cry. It is that it is that emotional at the end. It's just so good. God, I think this is going to be perfect for a movie, not a series. Thank God it's not a series. I think it'll be a really, really good movie. I'm excited. I've been begging my wife to read it because I know she loves her some dystopian future shit. So I wanted to read it so bad, but she can't stop playing Bejeweled on the iPad. So you know, <laughs> reading it, Bejeweled. I don't even know if it's called Bejeweled. It's like Candy Crush or whatever this shit is. Whatever you there kids always- are. Playing. Tablet games, but now it's Danny's turn. He's going to talk about Crisis and all that stuff. And we got our Batwoman trailer, and I'm not going to lie, I thought it was atrocious. But Danny's here to tell you why it was great.
3: Why? So, why it was atrocious? I'm just, I, I'm just curious.
2: I, I just don't want it. It's a character I don't care about. I, yeah, i so many other DC characters I would rather see than this one. And uh, <laughs> uh, also, I think that she's not that great of an actress. She was in John Wick 2. so uh, I, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I know you think it's the political reasons, but it's really not the political reasons. I don't care about that stuff. I'm whatever. I, I love Buffy. I love me some strong female women that has nothing to do with that, guys. You can take that and get the hell out of here with it. I just, I'm so out on this universe, I think, that I don't think there's anything really that could have pulled me in on this. Maybe if it was like Black Canary or Supergirl, a real Supergirl, real, the real Supergirl or something. I don't know, man. It's just, it's just not what I want. I give me a Satana. Give me anyone, man. I don't know. I
3: think I think that you have. I think the doors open with the series for is Z- Z- Zatanna to appear, and I think I would expect Zatanna to appear in the series within the first two years. Um, I think that's the next spinoff character so, that you see from
2: Justice League Dark on TV.
3: Go yeah. for it. Um, I, I like the trailer again. Everything, every step that Arrowverse does, the, the costumes look better, the production looks better. Obviously, Batwoman just being under the umbrella of the Bat puts more of a spotlight on it. And by looks of the trailer, which is strictly from the pilot episode that they shot, it's the most polished. I mean, you and granted, I did the recent rewatch of Arrow season one, Flash season one. It's come a really, really long way with how how it just visually looks. They seem to have an aesthetic for for Gotham City and, you know, the Batwoman costume, the final version of the costume is one of the most striking in comics because it's all black with that beautiful red bat in the middle. Um, Ruby Rose, I'm I'm hit or miss on still. Like I'll give her a chance to grow into the character, but so far, like she is a little stiff and a little wooden. Um, Granted, I'm comparing her to like five seasons of Grant Gustin making me cry as Barry Allen, because he's too good at that. The villain is interesting. I guess her name is Alice and it kind of ties into the wonderland theme. Maybe Mad Hat or maybe not. I don't really know much about the character. Um, but I, from what I see, it it looks like another Arrowverse show at its minimum, and I'm there with it. By the inclusion of Batwoman, by what they want to do with Legends of Tomorrow next season, it does seem like they're going to go back to a more down-to-earth Arrowverse and after Crisis kind of simplify itself, um, which should hint at what Crisis is. I don't believe it starts in the fall. Um, no, it does start in the fall because they're pairing it with smartly. They're pairing it with Supergirl. Hopefully, Crisis will put them all on the same earth because this character I think really needs to pair with Supergirl, and I think they need to take advantage of that two hours to kind of cross over the characters. But I'm just really, really excited for for Crisis. Everything, like I said earlier, everything that they have done, marketing wise, everything that they've done in the show wise to tee it up to set it up. It seems like Arrow, the truncated season of Arrow, at least my estimation, because they haven't announced it yet, is that Arrow is going to go through the multiverse and see different Earths and recruit different heroes to eventually the big showdown uh, with the crossover. When I say stuff like Smallville and stuff like the adventures of Lois and Clark and all like the Justice League series from Fox, like the old Flash series, all of this is on the table because all of those characters have appeared on Arrowverse shows. Like, they already have those relationships. I think the truncated season of Arrow has a a lot of potential to be a lot of fun because it's going to pull on those nostalgia strings and it's going to show you all these different Earths that we've seen throughout time. And I genuinely think that they are going to put enough care since this is Oliver Queen's swan song and they have not been shy to say that to really send him off in the right way. And I, I hearken back to the Firestorm death They handled that so well in the the crossover that I think that they'll do 10 times that that job on on Oliver Queen's eventual death. And uh, it'll be more interesting to see where the Arrowverse goes after Oliver dies. And uh, again, that's just a moment. The journey is far more important than anything else.
2: I feel about that woman, the way that I felt about the Falcon and Winter Soldier. You're telling me to care about a series about spin-off characters from a character I actually do care about. I've had the same thing that I said about Titans. What do I have an interest in a show that's like, hey yeah, fuck Batman. We're doing this. I,
3: <laughs> it, apparently it, Titans it, is great. Apparently Titans is great.
2: Patrol's <laughs> even better. So I mean it's I, I I think I'm just so checked out on superhero television right now because there's just there's just so much. Uh, mm-hmm. but I, for someone like you that has watched all this stuff, yeah, Crisis has got to feel like your TV version of Endgame. It's got to be it's got it's got to be just like exciting. I'm sure it really is.
3: It's exciting for that reason. I think it's just exciting in general because, again, if you go back ten years and you're telling early thirty something Mike, twenty something Danny, hey, eventually they're going to put Crisis on Infinite Earth on TV after about. Eight nine years of buildup, and we wouldn't buy that. Like we would laugh, and we'd probably be like, "Get the fuck out of your clown!" Like, what are you, what are you talking about?
2: Probably thought it'd be like Smallville, where you had the Flash with like a hoodie and Aquaman with like an orange shirt.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And and again, like we have talked about Game of Thrones and their use or lack thereof of CGI. We have to remember that the CW has been doing this for eight plus years on shoestring budgets. And the fact that they're going to pull off crisis, I mean, the, they're going to literally literally put every penny they have behind this. And I, I think it's that kind of attention, that kind of emphasis is why I'm so optimistic about it because all the crossovers for the most part have been pretty good. Like the, the fun of the crossover events is seeing the characters interact with each other and seeing the grand spectacle that, something on the CW can be just as impactful as how some of the movies even more impactful than some of the movies, to be honest.
2: Here's my hope. And I know it won't happen because obviously they're going to have a ton of, you know, plot threads to close up, but I would really hope that they would find a way to make it where you could watch this as like a movie, a standalone movie. Now watch the shows and enjoy it. Cause I would like to just watch just this without having to watch 14 combined seasons of other shows. <laughs>
3: I think it's going to be a little bit of the, again, this is my hope slash just judging by the way people are talking about it. My hope slash prediction is you can probably watch this as a standalone because of the way they're laying out the schedule and be fine. But if you have watched, if you watched everything, like you'll catch everything and you'll get more out of it. It's kind of the payoff for being an eight year fan is that you'll get, you'll love it more uh, and everything's going to hit you a little bit harder than you coming in and checking it out. Like I think that'll be serviceable.
2: All right. One last thing here, and this is kind of weird because we don't really talk about wrestling on this show very much. Uh, But I did want to point this out and get your opinion on it. Uh, This all elite wrestling thing, AEW they're calling it. uh, People have been talking about for a while. And, you know, I don't think I've seen things as negative with WWE as they are right now in a long time. Like the ratings have like dipped big time, big time. And after that pay-per-view they had this past Sunday, people are just like, they're done. They're just, they're pissed off. So I've been hearing about this AEW for a while and I'm like, whatever. No one will ever directly compete with Vince McMahon. You know, no one's ever going to do it. No one, everyone's scared to. WCW was a foundation for years and it goes up against Vince McMahon and what happened? He put him out of business. But I think there's something... There's something cooking here because Impact Wrestling for a while there, I felt like it had, a lot of people felt like it had the superior roster for a bit over WWE. And it didn't it didn't even scratch the surface uh, it, when it came to competing with them. It couldn't get a real TV deal. It was always on like this kind of handshake deal with Spike Television, which isn't even around anymore. AEW got a TV deal with TNT, which is the ones who had uh, WWE when they were competing with them. To me, that says they like what they're doing if they want to actually compete uh, with them, to get a major TV deal like that for I don't even know who's on this roster, you know I haven't even paid that much attention to it, but I think I don't think we're getting to the point where we'll ever have like the Monday Night Wars coming back or anything like that. but I've said that the only thing that will make WWE great again sorry for that using that slogan is that it would have to have a serious competition. So I mean, to me, I feel like that's the most optimistic I can get out of this. But do you think to get a TV deal out of this, they had to have something really, really good planned?
3: Yes and no. The no part is because there's so much, there's so many channels out there that they need content. Everyone's in need of content. And there is no greater content than live sports. This is partly why Fox made the deal for WWE and paid as much money as they did for it. And, If you're TNT and you have, excuse me, if you have Bleacher Report Live, which is their streaming service, you need something to put on it. You need some way to entice people to do it. So part of it is getting content for that. The other part of it is you're not just going to shell out money if someone doesn't have a business plan. If you don't see someone as serious about it, um, the nice thing about you sending me all these things over as I do have time to read a little bit here and there. And it, it does seem like the effort behind AEW is serious that it is a, there is a direct plan for it. It's not just some overnight slapdick thing. And I mean, you know, you, you say we don't talk about wrestling much, but at the end of the day, all wrestling is, is it's a, it's it's a TV show. It's a program with characters and People, all people want is, especially after Sunday, you want a story that is logically told to you with villains and heroes. You want characters to root against, and you want characters to cheer for. And if you tell that story in a compelling way, in a logical way that doesn't talk down to your audience or, frankly, like just disregard everything that they've seen for years, people will watch and people will tune in and people will follow. Like, there is a reason why Vince McMahon has millions upon millions of dollars and has been in this business for 40, 50 years, whatever the case may be, it's because people will pay and watch it and he can do it to the point where he, where he has his own network. So why wouldn't someone think like, Hey, I can make a competitor because there's always room for competition. There's always room for two. It's the rule. It's the Sith rule. There must always be two.
2: I feel like competition brings out the best in everyone. because because great. Back when it was still WWF, it was floundering. It was floundering and like the the ratings of like zero point three and shit for a while there. Until WCW said, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna do this and we're really gonna compete. And it made them completely change what they were doing. We would have never had The Rock and Stone Cold and shit like that if that didn't happen. So that's my great. We'll never take. We'll never catch the lightning in a bottle like we did there in the late nineties, with, with, where like even people's moms were watching wrestling or something like that. I just I really think that if you guys go even like TV-14 with this and you have guys going there and be like, you know, I'm going to kick your ass instead of I'm going to kick your butt. I think that little kind of stuff makes it more believable, you know? So let us let us see some some people their heads busted open. Let us hear some colorful language. Let us have like a little sexy storylines or something like that once in a while. I think that's that's fine. Just don't have to go PG with it. And I really think that that's the only way we're ever going to get this stuff to be interesting to the point to where it's breaking 1.0s on the ratings ever again. So I, I think it'd be really neat. I'm just just stunned to see that they got that TV deal because for years impact tried getting there. Even ECW tried getting on there and TV TNT was like, we are, we are out of the wrestling business. So if they're, they're back in, maybe it's like you said, maybe they just need some content. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe they really People- like what they're
3: people love fandoms. I mean, look at it, Burger King, McDonald's, Coke, Pepsi, Microsoft, Nintendo, the list goes on and on and on. Like Marvel DC for the sake of this show, people love the mythical, like, Oh, I gotta be one or the other. Pick a side, Mike, pick a side. I think what you just said there gets back to the point and, you know, whether it's AEW or Star Wars, what is the point? Well, how do we differentiate ourselves from our competition In this case, with AEW, how do you differentiate yourself from WWE, which is trying to convince people like me that it's a family-friendly product and, like, brands are safe to advertise there? You just said it. It needs to be edgier. It needs to be aimed at an older audience. It needs to be – it needs to realize, cool, I don't want the kids. I don't need the kids. Kids don't have money. Parents and adults do. I'd rather have their money. Um, So, I mean, it all ties together you before anybody sits down to write a story or tell or to do anything you have to ask yourself what is the point what are we trying to accomplish here where do we want to go and if you can answer those three questions it's a good product and i'm sure that they did because turner said here's a whole bag of money knock yourself out
2: danny going back to his his writing roots tonight we're going to start point a and build up
3: (laughs) i mean it's not hard to like Good writing is hard, but, like, at the end of the day, when you sit down and you write something, it's not hard to just think logically about it. i like, oh, cool, this is what would make sense, not, okay, cool, like, the dude in the wheelchair is the fucking king at the end of the day.
0: <laughs> wow. So,
2: so, uh, I'm so I'm so glad Game of Thrones is over, because between our text you know, thread, Twitter, between, like, just social media in general, I'm just, I'm sick of hearing it. The MCU. I, I, I need a break, man. I need a big
3: you know, break. I needed to bring that full circle
2: somehow. Just, <laughs> I, I definitely, definitely need a break from that. So
3: I knew I, where I was, I going, was going, going at the beginning of the, the
2: show. Assume that I'm not going to sit here and just wallow in misery about Game of Thrones for a while. <laughs>
3: um, I knew where I was going at the beginning of the show. I was going to end it with
2: I, Game of Thrones. The wheel time turns right. There you go. There you go. You you brought it home.
3: See, look, I'm setting you up here. That's all yeah. I'm doing
2: god all right
3: Uh, before i mean dark phoenix is coming out like dark phoenix is here
2: i saw it's tracking for 50 million which would be the lowest opening in next one and honestly i'm stunned it's tracking for that high
3: are you gonna see it in theater
2: i have no interest to go see this
3: not gonna see it in theater No, but it even has James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender. Those are the
2: reason I'm watching it when it comes home. (laughs) (laughs) It's also got Sophie Turner, who I think can't act her way out of a paper bag as as your lead. So
3: since you said coming, since you said coming home, I have to say it because it was announced today, June 26th, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse hits Netflix. If you have not seen this movie and you are listening to the show, you have no excuse after June 26th to see the best Spider-Man movie ever made. Possibly the best superhero movie ever made. Uh, Academy award-winning
2: Spider-Man. You really Spider-Man. are. Bringing it back. I said in Throne zone, guys, that everybody now has to be the best ever or the worst ever. And Danny is one of them. Best Look, ever. I love,
3: that I love that movie. I genuinely think that they, they, they really, I don't know how they did it. Like there are so many ways that movie could have gone wrong and could have blown up in their face. And could have been like a laughing stock disaster. Fact and, that you just managed...
2: and old guard fans like me with it says a lot.
3: I mean, you, you can't please everybody, but this is the movie that really did bridge generations and to the and point where understand.
2: my kid has watched this at least twenty times and that's not an exaggeration. At least you used to say
3: that you would not watch it, and I'm sure you don't mind throwing explained
2: it on. Explain why with that. Uh, but he comes up to me every every single day at least once. He'll stop and he'll put his hand on my shoulder and go, Hey.
1: <laughs>
2: because of that movie, and you know, like uh, in the mornings when he's going to the bus, he'll, he'll I'll be like, "Hey, look before you cross the street," you know, and he, okay, and I'll be like, "Love you." and If he don't say "Love you" back, I'm like, "Tell your daddy you love you." Tell your daddy you love you. I <laughs> <Tell your laughs> love you. I love you. The bus stop, you know. So yeah, we got we got good times out of it. Good times, but best people who movie ever. Pump the brakes, Junior. Pump the brakes.
3: It's, it's up there for me. It's up there.
2: All right, guys. Thanks for listening. I'm glad we have more to talk about this week. And uh, hey, I'm going to try to check out some of these Robert Pattinson movies, but I probably won't. So (laughs) I got books to read, son. What you What are you doing the next week? Anything Anything fancy, or just Just you you, you content with sweeps week, sweeps month?
3: I mean, probably take a little bit of a a break or two because there's no TV. But like I said, I've got Hulu for the next six months, so probably binging whatever Hulu series.
2: Telling you, that's right up your alley, man. You'll love it. I guarantee it. Watch the pilot. Watch the pilot. You'll be in. All right. done. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, geeks. Thanks for listening to the show. Now, if you didn't get enough geek material to help you through the week, you can always hop on the TARDIS here and check out the archives on the homepage, Facebook, YouTube, or iTunes. Also, take a moment, subscribe on iTunes, and leave a star rating if you get a second as it helps others to find the show find us, just simply open iTunes and search for Geek Media Core. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter. The home account is at Podcast. Mike is at Zep1978, and Danny is at DC underscore 612. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk at you next week.